make your way over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I, I had this moment of panic earlier. I always move my ribbon over to whatever passage it is for the week. Or, and um, when I went to look it up, I looked up 1 Corinthians, looked at the passage and thought, that's not what I prepared for. This is not good. I, anyway, don't do that. Make sure you get to the right Corinthians. I scared myself there for a bit. I mean, either way we would have gotten there, but so that's, that's that. Um, I'm about 13 hours early, but let me be the first to wish you Happy New Year's. We've made it through another year. <clears throat> uh, in 2023, this last year, the, the preaching here at Manhattan Press took us through the uh, entire, very practical, I found incredibly convicting book of James. Uh, Jeremy began a series on Leviticus, and uh, we spent the summer in the Psalms, as we've been doing every year since we began. Uh, we enjoyed a, a handful of one-off sermons from John Dunning and Zach Brashears, Mark Winton, Dave Upchurch, and Toby, Toby Curdo. Uh, and so far, uh, here in the fall, we made our way through the first four chapters of Genesis. Now, uh, in the new year, just kind of like to give you an idea of where we've been, where we're going each year, <clears throat> we're going to continue, or Jeremy's going to continue through uh, Leviticus, uh, and I'm going to continue through Genesis. Now, the plan has been to stop at chapter 11. I don't know if that's still the plan or not. I was told by everyone, once you get there, you're like, let's just keep going. Uh, so I think it's probably going to be like that, but I'm not 100% sure that, that, uh, with that. Um, and I'm not sure what we're going to do after that yet. So if you've got some ideas you want to suggest, I can't make any promises to you, but if there's something you're like, you know what, I've always wanted Song of Solomon, and, uh, you know, could we do that this year? That's fine. Let's let us know. You know, we'll see what, what give us some ideas. Uh, but today, today, I, I want to end this year, 2023, with a little encouragement to us all, a little bit of encouragement that we might begin 2024 with a renewed commitment to live well as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so we're going to focus on this great little verse. Um, it is 2 Corinthians 5.17, and just so you know, for context, we're going to read all the way through 21. Uh, and so if you've got your Bible, go ahead and follow along, and if you you don't, or you don't want to open it, uh, by all means, just listen first century style. So beginning 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, in Christ God has, was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. The grass withers, the flower fades. Let's pray. Wonderful Father, thank you for the gift of another year. Thank you for the gift of a Savior, our Lord Jesus. Thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit who resides in all here today, whose, uh, whose hope is, is, is in the gospel, all whose hope is in the gospel. Father, grant us this morning an understanding of your word. Grant us hearts that desire to, to understand and apply and rest in your holy word. We ask that you would renew our love for you as we remember your great love for us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Some of you know this, uh, but I'll confess again, for those that don't know this, I am a New Year's 
resolution type of person. Uh, if I'm honest, I don't like to admit it. I'm kind of ashamed of it. Uh, usually, because I, I tend to be more of a realist than an optimist, and you know, in my own mind, and because um, I think uh, it often gets you mocked for being that kind of person. Oh, you do that kind of thing, right? And 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 really, if I get down to it, because far too often my goals actually fail. So I don't know about you. Are you are you a a New Year's resolution, New Year's goal type person? Are you planning something? Uh, you know, to begin something tomorrow, some sort of goal that you want to accomplish by this year's end. Uh, you know, some of the more popular ones are you lose weight or save money or read through the whole Bible or less screen time or uh, more reading time or things of that nature. Uh, someone suggested this year that you do some, some positive ones, that they're always negative things. Maybe, maybe try every type of donut that Varsity serves this year. That's just your goal, right? Uh, something like that. Now, I'm, I'm willing to bet that even if you are the I don't do New Year's resolution. My only New Year's resolution is that I have no New Year's resolution and I plan to keep it again this year. If you're one of those people, uh, right, uh, or, or if you're one of those people that just won't share them, right, because you, you kind of get the sense, I'm probably going to fail it. I'd rather not be mocked later in the year, right? But even if incredibly vague, most people do have some sort of, sort of hope, some sort of this is a new year for something new to happen, to just be better in general, something like that. Uh, and, and there's just something about an, a new beginning, about a, a blank slate that motivates us towards making changes in our lives. Uh, Laura and I, we, we actually canceled our gym membership this past fall. Uh, but in years past, we would go to Genesis, our membership, on January 1st. And you know this story already, right? There's three times as many people on that day as there ever is the rest of the year. And slowly as the weeks go by, you're like, am I going to stay here longer than they're going to stay here? I don't know. Uh, we'll find out. And and it just thins out as it goes by. And I imagine many of them were a lot like, like Laura. And I, I had this written down, I found recently, right? That on the fifth day of, of 2018, she told me, I feel like I've lost my momentum for 2018. And I told her, Laura, it is day five of the year. You can't be giving up on it, this, you know. Uh, but that's kind of how we are. Five's a, a good distance. Now, at some point, though, um, at some point, that out-of-energy moment kind of hits us all. You mess up, right? This new beginning that you thought was so great, and you mess up somehow, and you're like, all right, that's out the door. And, and, and I tell you that right now because that's one of the reasons I am so thankful, so thankful that the gospel that we receive does not work that way. That the gospel is not a second chance, a blank slate. You know, instead, what we actually receive is a savior. What we actually receive is is forgiveness, right? It's, it's not your sins are forgiven, now try again, right? It's, it's your sins are forgiven, now rest in Jesus. Those are very different things. And, and so while I long for 2024 to be a year that we as a covenant family, that we passionately seek the Lord with absolute abandon, I long for that, you know, I, I want us to be sure that our motivation for doing so uh, is not to earn God's love. That it's not to somehow even to justify our forgiveness. That our, our seeking the Lord must flow from the truth that God has already sought you. That it must flow from the reality that God loves you as his very own. Just as God said to his people in Isaiah 43.1, <clears throat> Thus says the Lord, He who created you, O Jacob, he who formed you, O Israel, listen to this, Fear not, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. Christian, in the gospel, you have received grace 
through faith. And God says the same to you. Fear not, Christian, for I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. So what does God do with us as his own? Is he, you know, is, is, is this. He, he's making something new. He makes something new. In fact, that's the point of our text, 2 Corinthians 5.17 here, right? Have, have a look at it. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Right? The old has passed away. So I asked you about next year, right? Did, did any of you make resolutions or set any goals this week for 2013? Sorry, 2023. Now, I did misspeak, but I didn't misspeak the second time, right? I really mean 2023, right? Hey, you, no one's setting goals today for 2023 because that year is past at this point. It's over. It, it's gone. The, the new is here. There's the looking forward here. And, you know, you... You've you got to understand then here, what, what is Paul even talking about when he says here, new, right, in our passage? What's, what's new here? Well, it's not God that's new. God's not new. God's the same as he ever was. was. Now, to be honest, we tend to think about the New Testament, talk about the New Testament, uh, as if God is somehow different here, right? As though he, he no longer has any expectations, no longer desires any sort of obedience from his people. Like, oh, that, that's the old law. Forget that. It's done. I mean, it's just... Who cares about that, anyone? But, but Jesus, our Lord, doesn't forget the law. In fact, when we talk about it, or when he talks about it, Jesus fulfills the law. We, we've got to remember that the law of God given in the scriptures reflects the character of God. It reflects the holiness of God. And God's character does not change. Not even as we move from the Old Testament to the New Testament. But something does indeed change. When God gives you faith in Jesus, he changes you. You're what changes. That before Christ, you, you know, became your, your Lord and Savior, you, you may have either rebelled against God's law, right? That's one way to do it as though, as though it's Canadian law, right? Like, who cares? That doesn't have any jurisdiction over us over here. Or, or on the other hand, perhaps you tried to perfectly keep God's law in your own strength, and maybe you saw some degree of success that turned into great self-righteousness, right? That, that, that sense where, you know, at, at least we, we exclude ourselves from those people, and in those people is some list of sinners that we don't struggle with, that we don't have. Through faith, though, God changes us. We're no longer rebels. We are no longer self-righteous. United to Christ, you are a new creation. And, and, and we do indeed seek to obey God's word, yes. But, but now there are different reasons and different means. We, we do so out of love. We do so out of gratitude. We, we do so in the strength of the Holy Spirit who, you know, it's very weird sounding when you talk about this, especially to people outside the church, right? But, but the Holy Spirit who actually dwells within us. So let me put it this way. Do, do you come to God's word and feel like, like God has just given this impossible list of things that I'm supposed to do um, and I simply cannot keep and I simply cannot please him. Like is that your view of God's word that it's just this list of impossible things to keep? I mean really consider that for a moment deep down. Is that the way that you view God? Or do you see God as he really is? It's your heavenly father who loves you, truly loves you and accepts you on the basis of Jesus keeping the law in your place. Because that's the truth. That's the gospel truth that honestly makes us a little uncomfortable sometimes, right? That, that's the truth that will set you free, though. 
And so this morning, as we are here on the edge of 2024, I, I, I want to talk about this new creation that, that you are, that you are if your faith is in Jesus. And I know sometimes you think, well, I came to faith so many years ago. I don't know that I am. You are. You're a new creation. So, so, so please do not misunderstand verse 17 here, right? Because too often we, we, we come to the scriptures sometimes and, and we see something like this. And to be honest, I, I, I do this, right? I read this and I hear something like, Brian, you should be a new creation. And it becomes this whole new set of things that I have to somehow accomplish, right? Get to work and start becoming the new creation you're supposed to be. Of like, Brian, you should be able to run an eight-minute mile. All right, well, I'll go work real hard at that, right? Uh, it, it, in that moment, though, when, when we begin to read the scriptures that way, it's, it's, you know, it's, it, it's like Satan in the garden. Because that's a twisting of God's word. It sounds right, it sounds similar, it's close, but it's not what God's word actually says. Look at verse 17 for yourself. What's it say? It says, if anyone is in Christ, right, that's the condition. He or she, he is a new creation, is a new creation. If Jesus is your hope today, if Jesus is who you believe forgives your sin, if you love Jesus, then you are a new creation. That's a reality for you. And sadly, for many of us, we don't know what to do with that information. Right? It's just, okay, I'm a new creation. Now what? Right? So let me, let me give you a few ways that this works out. What is reality? What is true about you because you are a new creation? And again, I cannot make this or emphasize this enough. This is not a list for you to do to make yourself a new creation, okay? It's a list of who you already are because you are a new creation in Christ, even if you're not fully aware of it. And it is indeed God who made you a new creation, right? Verse 18 couldn't be much more clear. Have a look at that, right? When it says, all this is from God, right? Not like God and you working together on this. All this is from God. So, so now a few, a few things here, right? Number one, because our triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because he has made you a new creation, he is now your Lord. He is your King. And that means that God dethrones any people or things that may, may, you may have loyally bowed down to before. You see, no longer are you primarily a people pleaser. Now you are a God pleaser. God is your King and your primary loyalties are to God. That doesn't mean you can't be loyal to other people, right? But your primary loyalties are to God. And embrace the freedom and the simplicity of knowing this. This is so freeing when you really embrace this, right? Because now you know whose voice to follow. Now you know whose will to seek. Now you know whose words to obey when it comes down to it. So that's the first thing. Secondly, in a related way, being a new creation gives you a new identity. You know, once God gave Saul, you know, new eyes of faith, he also gave him a new name. Now, you know, he's no longer identified as Saul uh, he's identified as what we know him today, as the Apostle Paul. Now, your name has not changed. It doesn't have to happen. But in Christ, your identity has changed. You are a child of God. Really, you are, right? And so spend a little time this year dwelling on what it means to be a child of God. And with your new identity, God also gives you new emotions, right? Um, that you love God, even if not as passionately as you wish is true. And I think that's where it gets us sometimes, because... We're all like, I wish I loved God more. I wish I was more passionate. I wish I was more devoted. And you think, well, maybe I, maybe I just don't, right? It's the thing that makes you start to question your salvation. But any love for God is a gracious work of God for you, in you, rather, that you should be thankful for, that you do want to nurture, but, but, 
but recognize that. Number three, God has given you a love for fellow Christians. You, you may have very little in common with, with brothers and sisters in Christ, little in common besides the fact that you both trust in Jesus, and, and that's a glorious thing, right? First uh, John 4, 7 teaches us, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. That's, that's part of our new creation. In fact, the Lord has even given you a heart that is capable of loving strangers and enemies. The fourth result of your being a new creation is this. In divine love, God remade you into a new creation, and with that, he has enabled you to treasure the scriptures, to know that this is God's word, to trust this is God's word, to say with Paul in Romans seven twenty four, I delight in the law of God. And maybe you need to nurture that this year by committing to spending meaningful time in, in God's word this year. Again, not to make yourself a new creation, but because you know there is so much nourishment to come from that. Now fifth, you as a new creation have a new desire for holiness, for, for what actually pleases God. And I know you, you might think, well, not always. You don't know what's going through my mind. You don't know what I, I did yesterday, right? You don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. But, but even the fact that you are aware of that discrepancy between the sin you commit and the holiness that you long for, that's a work of the Holy Spirit within you. And, and remember, right, the, the, the presence of the Holy Spirit that convicts you is, is a proof, an encouraging proof of the Lord that, that God has indeed made you a new creation. And again, we want to nourish that, but, but the reality of it is a work of God that you are a new creation. Six, as a new creation, you have a new family. God's church and its members are your family. We often use those terms here, covenant community or covenant family. And, and, and the more that you know this is truly your family, right? It doesn't have to replace your, your biological family, but, but truly your family, the more I, I hope we will all begin to make more margin in our lives for one another. And the more I, I pray that you'll take those protective, protective walls down that, that prevent you, you, your brothers and sisters in Christ from, from truly knowing you and knowing what's going on in your life. We need that. Um, we, we say this, right? This is a safe place. Not a safe place so that you can just get comfortable in your sin and nourish that, but so that you can receive support and encouragement and grace as you seek to mortify, right? Which is just an old fancy word that means to kill, so you can mortify your sin. Uh, seven, and this is the big one. As a new creation in Christ, you are no longer a slave to sin. Romans 6, 6. We know that our old self was crucified within, with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing so that we would no longer be enslaved to sin. You no longer must tolerate or excuse sin. But, but in the power of the Holy Spirit, you can, you can throw off those shackles, right? The shackles of sin, yes, even habitual sin. Even the ones that seem to have a grip on you, pornography, alcoholism, complaining, whatever it might be that has plagued you for years, right? Or maybe just a short time, whatever it is that has made you feel hopeless over the years, you are no longer a slave to sin. Unfortunately, too often we function like elephants. And I probably need to explain that a little further. It's not one of those illustrations you can just be like, like elephants, you understand, right? Uh, you see, I've never worked in the circus be fun. Um, I did actually watch The Greatest Showman about a dozen times in the theater. Uh, don't judge me. This was the movie pass era, right? I wasn't spending money on it every single time, but it was a great time. 
but anyway, I, I, I've been told that the circus would train baby elephants in this interesting way. They'd tie a rope around its neck, they'd take the other end, and they'd take a stake and put it into the ground and, and, and you know, peg it into the ground. And, and the baby elephants were not strong enough to break that, that bond that was there. And so eventually they'd see the rope and be like, all right, I'm, I'm tied up here, I can't go anywhere. And, uh, and the idea was as they continue and they become adults, they see the rope and they just assume, well, I'm, I'm too weak to defeat that, I'm too weak to get away from this, and so they don't even try anymore, right? And, and the way it was explained to me, that's why whenever they get spooked and suddenly they go running, right, it's because they just got spooked. They had no idea they could break it until that moment. So anyway, right, the, these growing elephants here in, in this way, they are wrong about the strength that, that they are. They're wrong about... The, the being tied down by that string, and, and so are you. And, you know, if you don't believe that strengthened by the Holy Spirit, that you can put to death uh, that particular sin that has enslaved you, whether, whether a short time or a long time, for as long as you can remember, okay? So we are not slaves to sin. Number eight, you are, as verse 18 says, reconciled to God. You, you see, you and I were enemies of God. Uh, R.C. Sproul years ago said, if God were not holy and we were not so sinful, perhaps we could get along. But the reality is that we are that sinful and God is that holy and, and yet our relationship, with, we have this relationship with God because of Jesus, because of the gospel, right? That has come in and changed our relationship with God from one of conflict to one of reconciliation, restoration, that we are at peace with God. Um, that results in what we see in verse 20 there, right? Have a look. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. You see, because we are new creations, we are ambassadors. We are displaying and proclaiming a message of hope, a message of reconciliation with God. And honestly, that's why we don't proclaim this, this message of moralism, right? We, we don't just say, you know, hey, stop having sex out of marriage, as if that were the gospel if someone did, right? Or stop lying to people, or start pushing the LGBTQI issues, or stop being so self-righteous or greedy with your money, those kind of things. Rather, rather we pray and we share the good news of Jesus so that others might be reconciled to Christ through the gospel. That must come first. The gospel must come first. Our message is you are not at peace with God who created you, but you can be. You really can be. I've uh, become fascinated over the years with short ways to summarize what is the gospel, right? Uh, you know, one of them is God saves sinners. There's one that we see here, right? The summary of it, just four words, be reconciled to God. And I know that probably doesn't tell you enough right there, but it's a good way to just understand the gospel in a really short way. Now, I do want to remind you here on New Year's Eve of, of one more thing. Child of God, you are a new creation. That's absolutely true, but you are not perfect. Not yet, and you are not going to be perfect until the Lord returns in glory. And, and so here's the result of that. Don't pretend to be, right? That is one of the keys to really understanding our, 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 our pursuit of holiness, right? Don't pretend to be. And I'll ask you do, you, do you ever talk about sin in your life? Do you ever talk about sin? And I don't mean their sin, right? Don't hear that. I mean your sin. Do you ever talk about your sin? Or do you give your friends and your children, your classmates and your coworkers the, the idea that somehow you have it all together? Some years ago, uh, someone among us shared how she used to be afraid to take the Lord's Supper because she said, I, I didn't have it all together. And I thought, I can't come to the table like this, you know, I'm struggling with this or that, but, you know, um, 
But, but now she, she would come to the table and, and said, you know what, I, I, I've come to understand that I need this, right? I'm coming here confessing my sins, knowing they're real, knowing that Christ is my Savior, and I need this encouragement of the Lord's Supper precisely because I don't have it all together, right? And that's, that's where we begin to understand the gospel in that way. And I, I, I say this, understand, I say this not to make little of holiness, not at all. You and I are called to pursue holiness. We are absolutely called to do so in the strength of the Spirit. But I, I tell you this, as we enter into 2024 in the hope that you will live by grace and pursue holy living from a position of someone who knows that God already loves you that already knows that God has graciously forgiven you in Christ, even if your life is more cattywampus than you wish was true. And so then, this New Year's Eve, you know, as I've confessed, right, I'm a sucker for New Year's goals, just because I think it's a natural place to evaluate what's important in life, there's a natural reset to it, and and the changes that we want to make in life. I, I, I've often considered because of that as we come into these new years, as a covenant family, right, if there was, if there was a collective aim, one goal that we had together, what, what would it be? And, and there's probably a hundred other things, but one place I believe is really great for this is 2 Peter 3.18. Um, to just a collective goal, it says, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let me read that again. Grow in the grace and and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And how exactly do we grow in those two things? First, knowledge, right? That, well, well, the scriptures for sure, right? But, but be careful. This, this doesn't become a, a merely a checklist as we tend to do at this time of year, right? Bible reading plans are great. They give you structure. They are a good way to keep up on it. But, but I'd really love it if you just forget the in a year part, right? Uh, that last bit of it, that you would use it as a guide for reading, but, it, but as someone who has been called to shepherd you, I would so much rather you take five years to complete the reading plan um, and, and actually know what you read, to actually meditate on what you're reading, to, to think about how does this apply to my life and how do I actually apply it to my life and what does that look like. I would far prefer that and it take five years than for you to get to December 31st and in that first year and just be able to check off the box. Look what I accomplished. Okay? Also, we, we long for our growth and knowledge to be more than, than simply head knowledge. I, I long for us to truly know Jesus. You know, just like I, I, I don't just want to know more facts that I could state about my wife to someone each year, right? I, I want to know her personally more and more for that relationship to grow. And so Second Peter calls us to grow in, in knowledge. That's the first part. But the other part of it is also grace, right? This, this is about growing in our remembrance and our enjoyment of the gospel. And one of the ways this looks is, is that we preach the gospel to yourself day in and day out. That you remind yourself of all that Christ has done for you, of what is true, what is reality, right? As, as we grow to understand uh, our understanding of grace, that, uh, that our assurance of salvation then becomes stronger. It becomes more sure, more, more comforting when we face the challenges and sorrows of life. You see, when you understand the, the grace of God to your very core, really understand it, you, you can go to bed at night and actually sleep, not, not staying up worried about finances, right? Worried about work or, or you know, the, the dark question that comes into people's heart at night, right? What, what happens when you die? You become confident that, that, you know, the end of your life is really just the beginning of your eternal life with God and with His people. You see, 
to grow in grace then, we begin to want to focus on, on passages of Scripture. Let me just give you a few here. Uh, Romans 8.1, right? There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You've probably heard that before, most of you. But you let the truth of that sink in, that there is now no more condemnation for you that are in Christ Jesus. Or right at the end of that same chapter, Romans 8.38, for I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I'll give you a few more. Hebrews 4.16, let us with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to, to, to help in our time of need. Romans 5.8, God shows his love for us that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Right? That helps you grow in your understanding of grace because it's not like, have I done enough of it? Have I collected enough stars that I have God's grace now or, or something like that? And if, let me just give you one more. Ephesians 2 eight, For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. And when you understand that, when you really understand that, you come to God with gratitude, thankful for what He's done. You begin to see how gracious, how freely he gives to us in the gospel. Now let me give you one last bit of encouragement as we embark on this new year. The, the Christian life is, is lived in the, the mundane uh, of day to day, right? Uh, there are certainly exceptions to this, but overwhelmingly change occurs and character develops and, and our, great, our, our faith grows over the course of thousands of tiny, little, bitty, ordinary moments in our life not, not one big life-altering event, right? Praise the Lord for those big events, but that's not where most of it actually comes. And, and, and you already know this, right? But most people don't keep their New Year's resolutions. And, and most people come down from that mountaintop experience of, uh, of conferences and retreats and vacations or whatever it might be, right? And, and again, don't get me wrong. Those are great things. They can be a great encouragement. Don't, don't look down on that at all, but there is real value in following the Lord where you are right now, day by day by day. That means getting up tomorrow and caring for your family. That is a wonderful spiritual thing. That, that means praying for a friend or, or just being patient with someone that you are so certain that you are out of patience with. This past year, I, I, one of the goals I set was to walk or run or add them together, right? An average of 3.5 miles a day. It's, it's one of the few goals that I actually succeeded at. That's why I'm telling you this one. Now, um, I averaged 3.6 miles, that's my humble brag, um, this year. And, and the Apple Watch that I wear actually keeps up with it, so it's nice. I can just look and it tells me at some point what I'm doing. And, uh, and, and so one of the other little bits of information that I know is that this 3.6 mile daily average, right, as, as of this morning, consisted of 2,744,070 steps. Right? Almost 3 million steps. And listen, not a single one of those steps was memorable. Not a one. I couldn't tell you about any of them. And yet together they have made a difference in my life, my health. They have made me stronger. That's the Christian life. Gathering for, for, to worship the Lord week after week on the Lord's Day. Opening the scriptures to meet with, with the Lord day by day. Praying to God when you're worn out and tired. A little bit here, a little bit there. Right? God is working in the mundane, in the ordinary moments of your life, day after day. So embrace those. 
embrace the truth uh, of these words that we find in, in Lamentations 3.22 as well, where it says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is God's faithfulness. Again, that's one of those verses probably familiar with you, but so keep in mind here, it's not that God's mercies are new on New Year's Day, and then the next New Year's Day, right? It's, it's that they are new every day. They are going to be new all 366 days of 2024. And yes, it's a leap year. That's why I got there, right? I see some of you like that. He doesn't know. Anyway, right? This year before you, it is going to have ups. This year before you is going to have downs. There are going to be unexpected joys. There are going to be unexpected sorrows. You are going to have triumphs. You are going to face failure. Some things will begin and some things are going to come to an end. But through it all, you'll need to remember the words of our God who says in 2 Corinthians 12, 9, a few chapters to the right in your Bible, right? My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient for you. And that's who the Lord is for you this year. So bring on the new year. Let's pray. Father, we know that until our Lord Jesus returns, we we saints will always know the taste of sin in our lives. But Lord, the power of that sin has been destroyed. You, you have defeated it and, and you, you've not just refurbished us, but created us into new creations altogether. May we understand more clearly this new year that our identity is in Christ and so we have, we have not the debt that we have earned, but, but we have the forgiveness and the blessing and the righteousness and the family name that Jesus has earned on our behalf. Lord, teach us to rest in our Savior and, and to run with strength in the faith that you provide for us. May this be a year that, that we understand the gospel greater. May this be a year that we understand your love for us to a whole other degree and, and thus learn to love others well, really well. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.